Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we're going to touch on some updates from practice. We've got a couple other news things that we'll get to, but mostly we'll talk about the latest going on from practice. It sounds like the offense had a much better day today, which is a good sign because I know, as we mentioned in our last episode uh, this past Saturday, was not a great day for the offense. So for, to hear that they had a better day is certainly positive news. And then at, after that, we'll get into the Wisconsin football schedule. We're going to do a schedule breakdown, so we'll go through biggest game, hardest game, where the trap game might be, what games we're excited for, um, things like that. Go through each and, and kind of touch on where we're looking because the schedule is getting closer and closer. We're now 10 days away from college football starting off with Nebraska and Illinois. And then in the back half of the show, or the last portion of the show, we'll have audio from Jim Leonard from practice on Saturday. Um, it's about 10 minutes, then I think it's some, some quality stuff we can hear about where the defense is at. So we'll have that, similar to the last episode with Gary Brown at the end, we'll have that in the end. All right, Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. Uh, it's funny that you brought up Scott Frost, that, uh, that uh, information <laughs> I dropped today about Nebraska and kind of their overuse of analysts and extra practices during COVID uh, was, was one of the major talking points of the day. So I'm sure we'll touch on that as well today. How are you doing, man? I'm good. And, yeah, that was a, a funny way to start the morning because it, it really the news broke from Brett McMurphy um, really early this morning. So it was a nice wake-up call. I know on our Twitter account, uh, B5Q was certainly – um, ragging on that. I know I put out a tweet that was kind of ragging on it, but I mean, I don't know how you can, um, you know, get all these allegations and, and kind of get yourself ahead and only lock down uh, 12 ga- or 12 wins in three seasons. I, that just cracked me up. And, and who knows how long it's been going on? I know a lot of it was just from this past year with with COVID stuff. But generally, if you bend the rules for for one thing, there's probably been other things you just got caught on that one thing. I know. Uh, a similar situation going on in Arizona State. They've got all sorts of recruiting allegations and, and practice allegations going on. Um, so not a good look for Nebraska and, and certainly not where you want to be. And you would hope if you're going to go out and, and do some of these things and, and, and break the rules, you'd have a little bit more success on the field. And, and so far that hasn't. So certainly a nice chuckle on uh, on a Wednesday morning for me. Oh, yeah. Anytime I can take a laugh at Nebraska's expense, it's great. Um, I, I'm assuming just at this point that uh, they're they're pulling a Kansas and trying to leverage a buyout here, trying to get it set up that if Frost doesn't win, that they can eat, get out of the money that they will owe him. 
And if he wins, it's not like nothing happens. So that's kind of where my head went to was this is Nebraska just kind of selling themselves in so that they can, one, you know, get out of maybe getting into sanctions. But bigger thing, because really these aren't huge infractions, it's more of, hey, this is a way that if, if things go sideways in year four for Frost, that they have an easy way to get out of paying them. Yeah, I think that made a ton of sense. I know Bud Elliott of CBS and 247 tweeted that out, and you sent that in our group chat this morning. And as soon as you sent that, I was like, that is probably the, the, the smart way to go about it. I mean, you've seen it a couple times across college football now where it gives you it gives you an out, sets you up in a way that can at least make it plausible and allow you to, to save face a little bit if, uh, if the situation gets worse. So definitely a year where it seems like the writing on the wall that, that Scott Frost is on the hot seat, but if you go out there and win and turn things around, maybe it'll stick around. But certainly a, a nice chuckle uh, for Nebraska getting closer. And like I said in the, in the intro, they're, they're 10 days away from kicking off their football season in a Big Ten contest. So certainly not what you want to have going on in terms of distractions uh, off the field right now when you're getting you know, even closer to game week, but uh, speaking of practice and everything, let's touch on Wisconsin's practice and then how that's going so far. Um, update from today, it sounds like the offense had a much better day. It sounds like Graham Mertz had a really good day. Once again, last practice we talked about his connection with uh, with Kendrick Pryor. It sounds like that connection looked really good again today. So for the defense having a good day on Saturday, it sounds like the offense bounced back in a, in a big way in the first time the media was able to see him. So uh, certainly a welcome sign, as I know people were not freaking out about what what, what kind of came out from Saturday, but certainly it, it's a cause for concern, but it seems like some of those things were, were certainly cleaned up. Yeah, and, and I, I think you, when you when you add in the fact that um, Tyler Beach and Logan Bruss were also mm-hmm. back in jerseys, back practicing in a limited fashion, I think that that gives you um, you know, that was that was my biggest thing was the, the offensive line looked out of sorts when we were there on Saturday just because they were shuffling bodies due to injuries. I think those two, while they weren't, you know, full go in that team session that, that Mertz did really well in and that the offense was clicking, um, I do think that just having those two guys, some positive movement there, you've got um, some positive developments in terms of what Mertz was able to do against the defense. And I, and I think that definitely brings about um, a sigh of relief considering what we what we kind of saw wasn't um, what I would have hoped to have seen from this team. Um, but like we we mentioned earlier, most of the times the defense is ahead of the offense at this portion of camp. It's nice to see though that the offense is gelling um, and, and coming along. I, I didn't like to see that Jalen Berger was out. Um, I, I know he um, has has been kind of limited at times, and when we were there, he popped off to, to work with the trainer quick. But um, it, it sounds like Malusi got most of the work. But but I just overall I think the biggest thing is the offense nice bounce back effort. I think they're going to be fine as long as that offensive line is good. I, I don't have many questions on the off, across the offense because I do think that a big portion of why they struggled um, these past two practices is because this defense is really really good. Oh yeah, most definitely this defense is is looking really phenomenal so far. So it's no surprise that the offense is, is going to have some practices and some stretches where maybe they're not, not, not completely in sync, but maybe it's just that the defense is, is pretty sharp and, and having a good day. So it was nice to, to get some updates that the offense looked a bit better. In turn, that maybe means that the defense didn't have as great of a day. I mean, you, when you're talking about it, you've got 
the ones going against the ones. So it's always good to hear that one side of the ball is is going well and, and things are going good. But in turn, that sometimes means that the other unit um, is maybe struggling a little, bit, a little bit, which is certainly what we had on Saturday. So overall, I know um, the offense looked a lot better. It sounds like Graham Mertz looked a lot better. The offensive line a little bit healthier. Um, I think, like you mentioned with Jalen Berger, that's maybe the one small concern. But you got to feel it, it's good that you know some other guys are getting some reps. I know Ches Malusi got a lot of reps with the ones this past Saturday, but to get him in there more. Um, and then the last thing <laughs> that I took was, once again, I saw a tweet from Jeff Portricus, um in regards to right guard Jack Nelson getting into the scrum. So that man is going to be the you guy. you got to love it at this Tucker. point. Like He's got a stick, and, and he's going to continue to put his nose in there, and I love it. Um, the kid is a warrior. Uh, the other thing was, once again, and and when we saw it on Saturday, Joe Tittman was with the ones at, at center and Caden Miles with the twos. It sounds like so far all week long that's been the case. And and I, I know we talked about that a little bit last episode, but I just think that that raises the floor of what this offensive line could be just because he he's a kid that – and. We know what Caden Lyles is, and, and he's you know a good center. He was on watch list for the Remington um, for a reason. But at the same time, Tippman's been a guy that they've wanted and, and really worked on for a while, and four-star kid who they were extremely high on in that 2019 class. So it's it's a positive development in my eyes that he is is it's not something to where Lyles isn't playing good, and so they're just trying to figure out um, bodies to throw there. Instead, this is hey, this is a kid who who did some really good things this offseason, was healthy in the spring for the first time in a year, and is really coming on. So I think that's another positive development for this team. I also saw it sounds like the kicking game, which we've talked a little bit about. It sounds like Colin Larsh and uh, Nate Van Zelt were perfect in their field goals. Um, maybe, I don't know how, the down a distance or anything like that, or if there was anyone on the other side when they were kicking it, but it sounds like those guys had a decent day at practice as well, which is a Huge improvement from where they were at uh, when we were at on Saturday. So, so far, a, a lot of the, the issues that popped up and that we saw has so far seemed to at least correct itself a little bit, which is a welcome sign. You know, one bad practice for, for a position group or a player, that happens. That's the way football works. That's how sports works. But a couple, then all of a sudden you start to get concerned. So, so far, at least some of those concerns that we had seem to be, seem to be mitigated. Yeah, for sure, and that's just the ebbs and flows of camp. It's a long, long grind, um, but but I do think that it'll it's going to be interesting to see what that kicking game looks like when with Jack Van Dyke back. It sounds like he was limited once again, not kicking as much, which I, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if it's a sore leg, if it's an injury, but hopefully he'll be back here soon because I do think that he, once again, I talked about Tipman kind of raising the floor. I think Jack Van Dyke has a higher ceiling than um, the other two just based off of leg strength and, and what he can do there. Um, the accuracy, like the other two, has been kind of you know questionable at times, but I do think that he has the best leg to, to when you're trotting out a 50-yard field goal, you're like, hey, we got a shot. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that's a, a fair consensus to, to see where they're at right now with the kicking game. Um, all right, I think that's all we've got in terms of practice updates. We'll, of course, continue to do that as we hear more information. But are you ready to uh, get into the schedule breakdown? Let's do this, man. All right, well, let's hop right into it. So Wisconsin football, of course, a 
interesting schedule compared to years past. I know there's been a couple of years where there wasn't a ton of great games on the schedule. Not the case this year. You, of course, open with Penn State to start. Uh, then you've got Eastern Michigan. Then you've got the Chicago game with Notre Dame after a bye. Then you've got Michigan at home. Road trip to Illinois, home game against Army, road trip to Purdue, home game against Iowa, road trip to Rutgers, two home games against Northwestern and Nebraska, and then the season ends November 27th at Minnesota. So there's a little rundown if you aren't sure of the exact order, but overall it's a a good schedule. There's some good tests on there, but I think a very manageable schedule overall. So what are your initial takeaways from the schedule? Because I think now that we're getting closer, it's time to, to really start dissecting uh, week in and week out where this team might be. Yeah, I mean, overall, I, I think the schedule lays out really nicely for the Badgers, especially when you, you look at their splits of home and away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just love that the Badgers have um, a, a viable schedule to where if you trip up, like say you trip up against somebody, but you're able to win against, say, Notre Dame and Penn State, you're in a position where you are in contention for that playoff spot or, or at least staying in the Big Ten championship race. Um, and I think that's important because there's been other years where the schedule's been really light, right? Like I'm, I'm thinking back to um, when they went 13-0, and and then there's other times when this, you look at the schedule and it's kind of a gauntlet, and you're like, there's, there's, you're really going to need some, some breaks to go your way. Um, to be able to to make it, and it's nice to not have Ohio State on the schedule. Like, let's be honest, that's that's a positive development that you'd rather play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, where it's you're playing them one time instead of it, say you you got to not only play them the regular season, um, and, and then you also could potentially wind up playing them again in the in the Big Ten Championship. So I think that's another positive. Just looking at it big picture wise, um, those are kind of the big things. The other thing that is interesting for me, and I don't, I think this is a bad thing about the schedule for the Badgers, um, is the bye week. Um, I think it's positive that it's before Notre Dame. I think that's a good, a good um, game that you want to have extra time to prep for. But I think because you're looking at it, that's September 18th. That's you've only played two games to that point, and then you've got to run the rest of your schedule through without that bye week. I think they would have rather had that somewhere in the middle, maybe after a game like Army. But but nonetheless, you, you look at this, um, positive that it's before uh, Notre Dame, but negative in terms of timing and being able to break a, break apart your schedule a little bit and give, give guys a rest, get guys healthy. Instead, I think this is going to be a long schedule that they're going to have to play through. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that's the one thing that, that really jumped out when you when that schedule first kind of got finalized was, of course, that bye week early. You always want to have it a little bit later or maybe ahead of a big game. It is, of course, that Notre Dame. It is in a good spot for that Notre Dame, but so early. Um, I know as, as teams start to get in a rhythm to have a bye week that early, it can certainly cause the hiccups. So hopefully there's no issues. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be something to certainly pay attention to if this team starts to get banged up. You don't have that extra week of, of rest and an extra week of prep in there. So certainly um, something to keep note of with that early bye week. But uh, getting into the, some of the questions here, why don't we go through and we'll start with the biggest game. What do you have circled as the biggest game uh, on the schedule? Because there's a ton of games, I think, that are candidates here. But uh, I'm interested to see what you've got for your top choice. Yeah, I think the most important game on the entire schedule is the first week against Penn State. Um 
I think a lot of fans are split on what to expect from not only Wisconsin, but also Penn State. Both teams, they're in the top 25, but but had down years last year. Like, there's no way if fans are a bust about it. Both teams struggled last season, um, inconsistent play at quarterback, uh, and, and dealt with their own host of COVID and opt-outs and, and issues. But I think you look at that game, it's big noon Saturday. I wish it was a later game. But that's a huge opportunity for Wisconsin to kick off their schedule against a team that they've struggled with. You, you look at the way that these two teams have played recently, you, you go back to that Big Ten championship that they lost. I still have nightmares of when they lost that home game against Penn State with Gary Anderson as the head coach where Dave Aranda didn't have somebody covering uh, one of the top wide receivers in the Big Ten for a touchdown. I, I'm telling you that this is still one of those games where – the Badgers have struggled against Penn State, and it would be such a huge confidence boost, not only for this team, but for the fan base, for them to go out and get a W against the Penn State team who's coming in ranked. They're not necessarily expected to be uh, a you know, a, a conference championship contender. I think everybody's looking at the East and thinking that it's very much an Ohio State battle. But, but still, this is a team that Wisconsin struggled with. They have a lot of talent, and, and it's just one of those things where – if you lose that game, it makes the rest of your games a little bit tougher because you don't have that momentum going forward with it. Additionally, it, it makes it so that fans kind of start questioning some of the, the stuff they've seen, especially if, like, Graham Mertz doesn't have the game that you'd hope for. Yeah, I, I think when when I look at the schedule, there's that one that I, they certainly circle and, and probably right up there for the biggest one. I mean, really, it'd be one A, one B for me with that one. Um, so, for the sake of being different, I'll, I'll go ahead and touch on the Iowa game because I think that one's going to be a huge one as well. Um, you know, all of them, the Notre Dame game is big, exciting, great. Michigan game is is exciting and important, but I think in terms of, of the biggest game for me, it would be that Penn State one, just because it's the opener, build some confidence, and then right up there with it would for me would be the Iowa game because I think that one's Right in that spot where you're getting into, you know, late October into November, where if you can get that one, you hopefully will be able to to have a a nice starting point for the Big Ten West race, and hopefully you can get to a spot where if you're knocking off a West Division rival in as you enter November, you're in a good spot to hopefully make a, a run at that division title. So. I think that one's right up there. I, I would say the Penn State one is certainly – I'd probably put it as a tie. There's some couple other ones that are going to be huge and important, but I think those two for where you want your season to go are, are going to be ones that will be uh, super important to get. You know, For confidence sake, I think getting a Penn State win early in the season, a top 25 win, it will be huge. And then you know, just for division's sake, as you, as you make a run at that West title – I think Iowa right now is the other team that you're looking at. Minnesota, I think, is going to be better than people expect, so that would be one, too. But uh, I, I think right now Iowa is is a team that is, is going to be up there and, and something you always want to get a victory there. Yeah, and, and those two teams have played so close these, these mm-hmm. past few years that I think that that's definitely one of, one of the games that you have to circle when you look at the schedule. Um, I, I think – Anytime you're playing Iowa, it's a fun game. That's homecoming. It's it's um, October 30th. Like I think I think that that's a big game for them as well. All right. Up next, let's go hardest game. So a little bit different, but what do you circle as the hardest game for Wisconsin on the schedule? 
I think it's got to be Notre Dame in terms of you're looking at a team that um, Notre Dame's got a huge following from the Chicagoland area. I know Wisconsin does too, but but this is going to be a game where Notre Dame is coming in that they're they made the playoff in like what three of the f- past five years. Like this is this is not a, a bad team by any stretch. People are expecting them to be a little worse than last season. Um, Jack Cohn just recently named the starter, but I think that. That's a game that means a lot to not only the team but fans because it's a sense of pride. There's a lot of times where you you kind of look at and think of a Notre Dame fan and you you kind of think of a, a nosed up a little bit. Um, so I think here that that's such a big game for me, and I think that Notre Dame is is probably when you think talent wise, probably the most talented team on their schedule. That that backfield they have, that um, group of running backs. They've got multiple pros in their secondary. I, I think that is going to be the toughest game when you look at the schedule in terms of, of skill. Um, I also think that that one at the end of the year at Minnesota is also going to be maybe the next toughest game as, as kind of a dark horse just because Minnesota is going to be playing for, for so much potentially at that point um, that if, if they're in the running for the, the Big Ten championship late in it, I don't see that being the case, but if they are – um, you add in the fact that it's the Axe game, and, and it is, you know, something to, to keep in mind just because of the rivalry. Yeah, no, I, I think that Notre Dame game is fascinating for a lot of different ways. I mean, you talk about overall, and I know Notre Dame is a team that comes in. When you look at them, if you read any of the preseason publications, if you look at any preseason numbers in terms of, you know, returning production, transfer, you know, there, there's a new stat called TARP, which is transfer activity returning production, Notre Dame is towards the bottom in terms of what they bring back. I know Phil Steele has them with, you know, three offensive starters returning, um, six defensive starters returning, but at the same time, there there is a lot to replace for sure for that team, but they've still got a lot of key pieces in, in key places. You've got Kyron Williams at running back, who's a phenomenal back across the country, kind of an underrated back. I mean, a lot of guys you know, talk about Brees Hall, Tank Bigsby, a lot of these big-name guys kind of maybe get a lot more of the attention, than, and Kyron Williams maybe should get a little bit more. They've got a really solid tight end room. And for the most part, I mean, Brian Kelly's done a really good job of recruiting that program and building up talent to where I wouldn't say they're necessarily a reload program yet, but they're getting close where, you know, a couple of years where they don't return a lot doesn't damage them too badly. So it's a, it's a fascinating game. The neutral site part of it is is certainly a huge portion. I think if this game was at Camp Randall, you'd feel even better about it. But right now it seems like a game that you're coming into and, and really going to be something as the baseline for, for both of these teams to, to really see where their season's going to go because Wisconsin's still got a couple you know tough contests after that. Notre Dame's schedule is, is certainly brutal. They got Cincinnati the week after Wisconsin. So it's uh, really an interesting one, but I would have to say there's there's a, quite a few games on here that are, are going to be difficult, but I would I would agree with you that this is going to be the one that will will be the toughest test for Wisconsin just on both sides of the ball. It seems like a, a program that has enough talent where it doesn't matter the returning stuff, and certainly may, they may not be the same level as where they were last year, but they're going to be a talented team in the conversation all year long. Yeah, and I think part of my rationale for putting that game as the toughest was because, like you mentioned, the neutral site part. If that was in Madison, I I, I would probably change my mind. Um, but because it's not, I, I'm going to go with that one because you look at 
the remainder of the games where you'd say, okay, those are the probably the most talented teams. Penn State at home, Iowa at home, right? Like those teams where you would be really worried about otherwise are at home. Um, you can throw Michigan in there as well. Um, and, and once again, at home. All right, moving on to the next one. Let's touch on the toughest stretch. And, and that's, this one's interesting because I think you look at the early season stretch for Wisconsin. You've got Penn State. You've got Notre Dame. You've got Michigan in three of the first four games. But as we mentioned, you've got that bye week in there to kind of break it up. So that's certainly a tough stretch, but it helps to, to mitigate that. And then you know, in the back portion of the schedule, you get – a lot of these Big Ten West games, you, you've got the the late stretch, but you've got a, a road trip to Rutgers in, mixed in there where it will hopefully help you mitigate some of that. So what do you see as the the toughest stretch? Because this, this, this schedule lays out in, in a really interesting way. Yeah, I mean, I look at it as just from a physical standpoint, I would go with the Army at Purdue in home against Iowa. Um, Army's going to run the ball and run the ball a little bit more all game long. And they're incredibly physical. They chop at the line of scrimmage. So you just got to hope that your defensive line linebackers don't get injured, um, which is always something you worry about. You also look at Army's going to try to hold on to the ball as much as humanly possible. And Wisconsin, that's just a tough game for any team because it's so different than what you're used to. Um, throw in the fact that you are then going and playing Purdue, who is the complete opposite of that, where they're going to be throwing the ball 90, 90% of the time out of shotgun and it's on the road. And and just that complete mental switch and hopefully staying healthy from after Army is something that I think um, definitely jumps out to me. And then you come back to play Iowa at home, which I think is a big help for them in this game. But it's still Iowa, who's once again incredibly – physical, a game that you you know is going to be one in the trenches between the Badgers and Hawkeyes. So I think that that three-game stretch, well, you look at the the exact teams and you might think, well, Purdue, what are we talking about? That's still it's on the road. Purdue has played them tough in West Lafayette the last couple of times. And, and I just, once again, it's the physicality that comes from playing Army. Then you've also got that Iowa game two weeks later. And that really depending upon how they do injury-wise from those two games, because that's that's the point where I, you got to hope that they can stay healthy. If they can stay healthy, I like where they're at for the rest of those final four. But if not, it can really alter your entire season. And I think if there's going to be injuries, it'd be in that span where there's just complete physicality from Army and Iowa. Yeah, and one thing to add to that, um, both Army and Iowa uh, in those weeks will be coming off of their bye week as well. So Wisconsin's going to be in the middle – are getting into the middle of a really tough stretch while two of the teams in, in that portion that you mentioned will be coming off uh, of a bye, which will certainly help out there. And, and yeah, I agree. The the names maybe don't jump out to you, but when you add in you know that, that portion that the Army's off a of bye, the weird offense where Wisconsin's going to have to be prepping for, for Illinois. You know, generally, if you're taking on a team that runs a triple option, it, it benefits to maybe have some extra time in, in between there to, to really work on your assignments. Uh, I don't. I can't think of the last time Wisconsin's faced a, a, a pure triple option attack like that. So that's going to be something that will be a new test for sure. Always a game that you know you see those teams on your schedule, and, and maybe they don't have the most talent, but they've got that system in there. And when it's working, it, it can be tough to handle. So I think that stretch is uh, certainly a difficult one. I, I think a bit underrated. I do like, for Wisconsin's sake, that the Iowa and Minnesota game are broken up a little bit with Northwestern, Nebraska, and Rutgers. I personally 
don't think Northwestern's going to be very good, and that game's at home, so that doesn't concern me all that much. I know it's it's a, it's a team that's won the Big Ten West in, in two out of the last three years, but they lost you know virtually everything that that made them productive last year. So maybe I'll be called crazy for for doubting Pat Fitzgerald, but I just don't see it right now, and so. I think that stretch that you mentioned is an important one. The early one is, of course, you've still got Notre Dame, Michigan, Penn State on the schedule, but that bye week helps you out. So uh, I, I think overall the one that you mentioned is probably the one that I'd be a little bit more nervous for because you're going to be coming off those two big games, see how you do in that early stretch, and then you've just got that gauntlet of games and teams off a of bye. So it's really a fascinating schedule where there's not like – you know, three straight weeks of just dominating, you know, huge, important games. But there's a couple games that always get a little dicey mixed in with some of those tough teams, which uh, which makes it uh, a little bit of a nerve-wracking schedule there. All right, why don't we go into the one that is uh, – is always there's always one on the Wisconsin football schedule, and that's maybe a trap game or a game that you wouldn't expect to lose, but maybe you get tripped up a la Illinois a couple years ago in 2019. Not one that you you expect to see coming, but all of a sudden you look up late in the third quarter and you're in a dogfight with the team. So which game do you circle as maybe a, a trap game or, or one that they could uh, you know, get tripped up when they shouldn't? I, I would say – you. For me, it's once again kind of in that same span I was talking about, but Illinois through Purdue, at Illinois, home against Army, at, or, uh, and at Purdue. Those three games are all kind of trappy to me just because you're coming off of playing Notre Dame and Michigan, and then you go on the road to Illinois. Um, I, I think they should be fired up just based off of uh, the fact that they, last time they were there, there they lost. Um, add in the added element that um, Brett Bielema was the coach, and maybe that fires them up as well. But but then you also have that Purdue game that's completely different than the rest of the schedule. I don't think Purdue's going to be overly good. Um, but I think Illinois, depending upon how they, they do this season, um, they could be a team that's, that's like sneaky decent and, and win five, six games when you, you would normally pencil them in for less. Um, but I agree with you. I don't, I don't see them falling to a team like Northwestern or Nebraska at home. I just don't think that those teams have it especially when you look at um, Northwestern just named Hunter Johnson their quarterback, which tells you that they don't have a very good quarterback because he was abysmal in, in 2019, and they just lost their starting running back for the year. So I, I don't think that those are teams that I'm going to worry about, but, but I think that Illinois and Purdue, if I had to pick, pick one, one of those two road games um, could be closer than I think fans would want. Um, and, and part of that's just based off of the fact that they're going to be in a really tough stretch there, um, whether it be against Illinois, you're coming off of Notre Dame and Michigan. If it's Purdue, you're coming off of Notre Dame, Michigan, at Illinois, and, and, and against Army. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. The When you go through, you always look at for the road games. You don't, generally don't see a trap game at home. So when you're coming off of that two-game stretch of, of Notre Dame and Michigan at Illinois, all of a sudden – you know, as, as much as it pains me to say it, is a game that all of a sudden you look at and, and you could possibly get a, a bit dicey, especially if those two games with, with Notre Dame and Michigan are, you know, highly contested, tight games. And, and if, Bad, if Wisconsin pulls it out and comes away with a win, all of a sudden maybe the momentum's gone a little bit and you're going on the road to Illinois. Because I do think Illinois, like you mentioned, is going to be a team that 
might surprise some people and maybe win some more games. They've got the pieces to, you know, every, everyone who listens to this knows Brett Bielema's style of football, you know, big offensive line, run the football. They've got those pieces to, to be able to do that. You know, there's there's some question marks on their roster for sure, but overall it looks like a team that I think could be a little bit better than where they're looking and, and projected right now. So when you pencil that in with uh, a road trip there in between and, and coming off of a, a couple of big games, that's certainly one that uh, makes you a little nervous. And then, uh, of course, Purdue. I mean, the, the last time they went there was that three-overtime thriller where Jonathan Taylor just seemed to be running all over the field. I don't think Purdue will be that great either, but it's it's a road game in a place that can, can be a little sleepy, similar to, you know, when you go to Northwestern and Ryan Field, West Lafayette can be um, a similar spot that way, depending on how the season's going for the Boilermakers. So I would agree. I think those two are the ones you've got to circle and, and possibly be a little bit nervous for right now. Yeah, and, and, and some folks might say bring in Rutgers, but I just I just don't necessarily see that one as, as being worrisome at this point. Um, but I could be wrong. You never know. That's why you play the game for sure. All right, to wrap it up, which game are you most excited for? Because I think there's a ton of, like like I said at the beginning, past schedules haven't always been the prettiest. I think this one is, is pretty solid and, and should be a, a fun season um, with a ton of you know quality opponents on the schedule. So which game are you most excited for? Um, probably because I'm going is, is going to be that Notre Dame game. Um, it's, it's in a different atmosphere. Uh, it's, it's playing against a team. I've never been to see a Notre Dame game. I think that'll be fun to, to see in an in a NFL stadium. So I, I think that that one is going to be a blast. Otherwise, I would say the Penn State game just because it's at home and it's been so long since we were able to be in the stadium and, and watch a game. So one of those two would be the ones I would be most excited for personally. What about you, man? Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Penn State's going to be, I think, just because it's the first one and there's been so many emotions and not having college football and being able to be at Camp Randall last year, I think that'll be a huge one. Um, the, the Notre Dame game is going to be an awesome sight, like you mentioned, especially um, with the fact that these two teams just you, – you don't meet up. You know, it's, it's been um, – you know, Wisconsin – of course, lost that game last year, and hopefully they're going to, of course, have that rescheduled, and it'll be great, but this will be the first time, and, and they'll be able to meet, so it's going to be a, a really fun uh, atmosphere. I know Soldier Field gets some mixed reviews, but it's still an NFL stadium. It's still a, a, down in the heart of the city of Chicago, which should be a lot of fun, and I'm excited to get to that one as well. Notre Dame has a, a very strong crowd. I went to, I actually went to a Notre Dame game a couple of years ago that year that they – had that goal line stand against Stanford. It was a while now, but it's a, it's a good atmosphere. They've got fans that, like you mentioned, maybe have their nose up a little bit, but overall uh, it should be uh, a ruckus atmosphere similar to those neutral site games that Wisconsin's been in the past where it's, it's very evenly divided, probably a little bit heavier in, in favor of Notre Dame just with their impact in Chicago. So those two are, are ones that I've certainly circled. You know, Iowa's always a big game, but we've, you know, if you've if you've watched Wisconsin football for years now, you know what that game's probably going to look like. Um, it's probably going to be the same, you know, game that we've seen the last few years. So um, I would say those two as well would be the ones that that I'm most excited for. And, and thankfully for that Penn State one, it's right around the corner. We're getting closer and closer. Yeah, and another one that'll be really cool. Um, and this isn't because of the football. It's because it's going to be Barry Alvarez Day is that Michigan game. I think if that's a 2.30 kick or a late game, that place will be bumping. 
and and it'll be in celebration of Barry Alvarez, which I mean, let's be honest, he he built Wisconsin football the past 30 years. Um, so I'm just excited for that, just to honor him. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of players coming back for that for that day. So that that's one other one that I w- am looking forward to, just to be in Camp Randall, um, but but more importantly, just to honor Barry Alvarez. Um, I think that's a really cool thing that they're doing that day. Yeah, that will be a fun one for sure. You know, I'm I'm excited for all of them. You know, there's 12 games. It's been a while since we've seen college football. It's been a while since people have been able to see it in person. So all 12 should be exciting, and hopefully Wisconsin can come out on the right end of most of them. All right, guys, that wraps up our portion of the episode. Uh, stick with us. We've got a couple. We'll do our ad reads here quickly. We'll get into uh, – then we'll have the audio from Jim Letter for practice on Saturday. I hope you guys enjoy that. Um, and then we'll be back with you next week. So thank you guys, as always, for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you, Scott. I've been asking them about them already. But, you know, they're, they're very close. They're roommates. And you see the way that the relationship they have off the field manifests on the field. I mean, are there things that you can tell because of the closeness that they have? I think you see the communication. And obviously, that you notice they watch a ton of tape together. And they talk. Right, so as soon as the offense breaks the huddle, you see them communicating kind of what, what they talked about. Or even before um, the offense breaks the huddle, you see that communication starting, which is huge between safeties because not only are they thinking big picture what the offense is doing, they're also communicating with multiple levels to our defense. So you see that comfort level that they have with each other and, and how easily they communicate. He has. You know, I've been impressed. Obviously, physically uh, moves really well, smooth, uh, great size. Going to get to the point of camp now you show physicality a little bit more. But he's had very few mental errors. Um, it's just cleaning things up. You know, we push a lot of a lot of different things at these guys early, see what they can handle, knowing that it's going to continue to get tighter and easier for them. But I like the way he's handled it, and uh, hopefully see him just continue to rise uh, as camp goes on. With Bill, another two freshman Daryl Peterson, seems like he's getting in some reps. I know he's with Nick maybe on Tuesday, getting a couple of reps there, and then uh, looking in with some other contributors from like the years past. Just, what do you see from Daryl where he's been able to put himself in a position to see those? Uh, I, number one, you see he understood his job. Right. He was able to play his responsibilities and, and get to the physical part of the game really fast, you know, and, and he moved he moved up quickly because of that. And, and now he's, he's getting in there with those older groups, a bigger menu of what we ask. So um, just has to continue to push the mental side of the game because uh, physically he's got great motor and, and he's very physical, uses his hands well. So uh, love the way he started. He's got a long way to go to, to be impactful, impactful this season, but he's off to a great start. Yeah, I think you go back to the spring for Spence, and he took a huge jump. Just first stretch that he was really available for a, a long stretch, and you saw the growth that he took in the spring and the confidence he gained from it. And uh, he's carried that over to Paul Camp, and, and you're seeing kind of where he ended the spring off. He started off day one in that position, and uh, hopefully continues to, to grow. And, and said the main thing is, is gaining confidence. Um, in all of the skills and, and what he can bring to us. How many outside linebackers do you feel good about? Guys you feel like you can trust? Um, 
Hard to say. Uh, I think the, we're going to have a lot more depth at the position than we felt like we did last year. You know, we, we felt last year we um, we got into a rut where we weren't making as many splash plays, and uh, part of that came from guys playing a little bit more than maybe wanted to. Uh, we didn't have as much depth as we wanted, and you know, the challenge to that group is to to take that next step as an entire group. And it's it's been frustrating not having a couple guys. Um, getting many reps yet to this point, but we expect the next week, week and a half for that competition really to rise and for those guys to push themselves um, to really separate and, and find out who's going to be. What about Rodas Johnson and, and James Thompson Jr.? They've been getting a lot of reps in the D-line with the second group. Um, where, What can each of those guys provide? What do you like about them at this point? Yeah, Rodas, first of all, with, with Rodas, he uh, high energy. You know, plays with a ton of effort. It's just trying to tighten him up. You know, he still does some things that'll get you beat. Just comes from a great place, being aggressive and trying to make things happen. Just got to tighten up his techniques a little bit. But he's going to bring a lot of energy to the field when he comes, which which is a lot of fun. And so that's his focus right now is just consistency aspect of it. And James Thompson is, is obviously a guy last season we started to feel really good about, and, and then the injury happened. So trying to be smart with him and, and work him back on, on the pace he should be and, and hopefully have him ready to, to have a bigger workload once week one starts, but just trying to be smart because the physical side, he does some impressive things with that big frame, and uh, hopefully we have him just continue to, to grow because he did miss a lot of time, and you're just trying to be smart about the injury. Yeah, uh, early you just saw the consistency, and then he always finds a way to make a big play. Right? So I think he, he's more athletic, he's more gifted, he's more talented than sometimes he's given credit for. He's always had that consistent side to him, and that's why we loved him, and he was on the field very early in his career. Um, now it's just continuing for him to find those opportunities to be dynamic, right? whether it's pass rush, whether it's in the run game. Um, He's done it. He's had those moments uh, in the past and great leadership in the room. He's kind of the guy with the, with the most experience, and uh, I think the rest of that group feeds off him. Go ahead. Go ahead. Portillo is another guy who seems to always be in the right place at the right time, making the splash plays. What has he been doing to, to kind of set himself up for success this year? Yeah, I think early on in his career he flashed the playmaking ability, and now he's showing a lot more consistency. Uh, he's playing a little bit better in space than than he did, especially a couple years ago. He's kind of gradually improved uh, in, in some areas. So you know, now you're seeing the playmaking come out more consistently, and uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, he's been physical when he's needed to do that. Uh, he's made plays on the ball. He communicates well. So. I like what he's done. You know, he, he's really stood out early in camp. He has continued to rotate a lot of cornerbacks. There's a lot of guys with experience. Do you feel like you've got a, a third guy that has emerged at this point, or how do you view kind of where you're at, knowing you've got Hicks and, and Caesar and some other? Young guys? I, I would say we're still we're at the position we love a lot of guys, um, a lot of snaps in that next group of guys. Um, but I wouldn't say anyone's just been head and shoulders. I feel like it's rotated a little bit. One guy will have a good day or two guys will have a good day, you know, and then maybe the next day you don't you don't see them. And then, but I feel like as a group they're playing well. It's just the challenge of camp is, is for somebody to try to separate. And uh, we know we have a lot of flexibility with what Fan was able to do last year playing in the slot and having the ability to play outside. So um, really just looking for as much depth as possible. And I've always rotated a lot of guys in camp, you know, 
that's a position that you need as many guys as possible. Going through camp, going through a season, you need to stay fresh. You need to be able to attack and, and challenge receivers. I like where we're at tonight, today, but I would say it's a little too early in camp to say a third has kind of jumped ahead of the pack, um, but I think they've all had their moments. I don't know where Armand Williams fits in, but he's been around the ball a lot. Has he been a surprise at camp so far? Yeah, I mean, we high energy. Loves the game of football. Always talking, always playing fast. You know, he's, he's starting to learn the game, play more uh, consistent. You know, for whatever reason, the ball finds him. You know, he, he's physical. He shows up in the run game, like what he's doing as a young guy. He's still a young, young guy um, learning, but... You, you feel him when he's on the field, right? You see the energy and, and guys feed off of it. So he's got to continue to push, and he's got a very veteran group in, in front of him, and I think he's pushing some guys, which is which is a lot of fun. What does Mike Mascalunas just mean to your, your inside linebacker? Really? He's a guy that has chosen to be here for six years now, but can probably be playing a lot of snaps and a lot of good schools. For sure. I mean, credit to him. You know, he loves his place, he loves his teammates, and he's been a leader for a long time, whether it's on special teams and, and even in that linebacker room. You know, he's just a rock, very consistent, plays both inside-backer positions for us and has stepped in in the past when, when we've needed him and played consistent. So, love what he does. You know, you, he allows you to really push some young guys to challenge and compete because he's a guy that doesn't need a million reps. You know what you have in Jack. You know what you have in Leo. You really have that third guy that you feel really confident in. Um, it's credit to him. He, he's done a great job throughout his career. And he said the number one way is just how he's led and how he takes a lot of players, whether it's defense or special teams, under his wing. we got time for one more, guys. What area of the defense do you feel like you've seen the most growth so far in ball camp? Um, I, I would say D-line. You know, going back to the spring and, and early, you know, just wanted to be more aggressive than we've been in the past, be a little bit more disruptive than we've been in the past, and I think they've accepted that challenge. You know, Coach Cape coming in here has really tried to set the tone for that group. Not that we were doing bad things, right? The scheme is very similar, but just trying to find more opportunities to be dynamic, right? I think the, the mentality in that room got a little bit, hey, we got a lot of playmakers around us. We just got to do what we do. Well, I, I don't like that. I want those guys to have the, the mindset of, of being disruptive and making those plays themselves. Put the linebackers out of business, right? Let's, don't let them get all the tackles. And uh, that's been the challenge. And that's where I'm okay with a little bit of freedom. I'm okay with a little bit more energy right now. And as we get closer and closer to the season, you got to tighten it up and they have to understand when it's when is the right time to take that chance. When is the time to just be right? And uh, that's what we're going to continue to teach throughout fall camp.